Uh, serotonin. When we express thankfulness, the brain actually releases serotonin. Something physiologically actually happens inside. And one of the beautiful things is that it enhances our mood. Do you feel better when there's sunshine? I bet you feel better right now than when you first walked in. Do you know why? Because you heard beautiful music, you heard people giving testimonies and thankfulness, because all these things actually do make you feel better. Okay? And this is how, how often does God want us to feel good? All the time. Tells you how important it is to always be happy, be thankful. All these things need to be always in our life, right? So, but one of the things, and we're going to look at uh, dopamine also as a neurotransmitter or molecule, is that it regulates our mood. And I want to differentiate them right now. Uh, dopamine will make you maybe more like excited, where you just hear some good news. Oh, I just feel real good right now. But being in a good mood is more like an ongoing feeling thing. You see what I'm saying? And what you want is you, you want the release of serotonin consistently, so you're always in a, you're always in a good mood. And so to always be thankful is going to make you feel better all the time. Okay? And it regulates your mood. So sometimes you might run into somebody who's not in a good what? Ah, what do they need? They need a little sunshine. Could be in words, could be in deeds. But isn't that kind of why we're here on earth? Didn't Jesus minister to all who were sick? He didn't pass by anybody, did he? He helped everybody feel better about who they were and what they could become. Uh, It enhances willpower. You know, we're coming up to January 1. There's going to be a lot of New Year's resolutions. And it's not a matter of making a resolution, though it is partly that. To exercise your willpower on the behalf of doing good is not just a resolution, but always about feeling good. Because when you feel good, you're more likely to do what you promised to do. You're more likely to continue to make right decisions. Isn't this right? So being thankful every day. Do you have something to be thankful for? Every day. The breath that's in your lungs. Thank you, God. Another day of life. Thank you, God. And that, just saying that as your first work in the morning is being thankful is going to help you make better decisions throughout today. That you'll wind up doing what you know you should be doing. Just by being thankful. It enhances motivation, which is really closely related to that, right? You're more motivated to do good. The better you feel, isn't this right? When you feel lousy, does that motivate you to do something good? Something noble? No, it's just the opposite, isn't it? So you want to feel good. You want a lot of serotonin, the happy cell, but you got to do the things that make you what? Make you happy. I don't mean doing wrong things. I mean about being thankful. Okay? 
<laughs> oh, it did, okay. Thankful pathways. If we continue to be thankful, we create a neural pathway of gratitude. Because you keep firing off neurons, right? A thankful neuron, another one. And you keep firing off. And as you keep doing thankful things, you're actually creating a neural pathway in your body so that you're more likely to what? Always be thankful. The more thankful you are, the more likely you're going to be thankful because you're actually creating a pathway of behavior. Which is part of the good news of the gospel, right? No matter what pathways you've already created, when you come to Christ, you can create a whole new pathway of behavior. That we don't have to do the old life, no matter how deep those ruts run. We can begin a new life, a new pathway. By firing these neurons of being thankful and doing the right things, you become a whole new what? A new creation in Christ Jesus. Someone said, neurons that fire together, wire together. Isn't that cool? I like that. I, I read that just this week. I said, that is so neat. It's so neat, I don't even remember what the original phrase is. What is it? The birds of the same feather flock together. I think it's kind of the same thing. But there's another saying, isn't it? What is it? Oh, the family that prays together stays together. Isn't that right? Well, neurons that fire together wire together. But you know, as you continue to deepen these pathways of thankfulness and gratitude, it actually begins to change your perception on life. Right? So we talked about that before. If our life is like base paint and red is sin, right? Being unthankful. If you keep adding red paint, what becomes to that base paint? It just becomes redder and redder and redder. It deeper. But you know, you can be adding drops of blue. Let's say blue is a good attitude. And once you keep adding that blue, what happens to the paint? It begins to change and it turns purple and eventually the blue over overrides all of it, right? And that's your perception in life, okay? The reason bad habits are hard to break is because it's a pathway well-traveled, right? And it takes divine grace. It takes new information, new decisions to break an old habit, to begin new behaviors, right? And all those old behaviors can pass away. They can diminish by disuse. As we give, you know, our will and our effort towards the new, okay? All by God's grace. And, and in fact, in uh, mental health, they call it neuroplasticity. Neuro, the mind, plasticity, something malleable. You know, it used to be in the old school, oh, if he's a bad kid, he'll, he'll always be a bad kid. Huh, but that's not true. We know that. Scientifically, we know that. It doesn't matter how bad the kid is. That kid, I mean, John the beloved, John was a son of thunder. I don't know what all that means, but I'm guessing he got in a little bit of trouble. But you know, he became the closest to Jesus. He's the one who wanted to be like Jesus more than anybody else in the world. The beloved John. Dopamine's another one that makes you feel good. When you give thanks or receive thanks, dopamine, another chemical is released in the body. It's a chemical about reward. So, Amos is our dog. When I give him a bone, 
Ah, that's a lot of dopamine. And I say, good boy, Amos. Ah, that's a lot of dopamine. You know, yeah, it's going to affect his mood, but it's a spontaneous kind of reward thing. And we need that too, don't we? Okay? And when you feel good, now you want to kind of keep feeling good. You kind of want to keep doing that same thing. And these are benefits of dopamine. It triggers positive emotions. Uh, we feel more optimistic about life. Uh, fosters com- camaraderie, motivation, and goal accomplishments. But if you don't feel good, you don't feel, ah, I don't want to be around anybody else today, right? I don't feel like doing much today. You see, it works the other way, doesn't it? But this is why we need to be consistently thankful. And Paul would say, be therefore content. Don't go the other way. You know what ruined Satan? He began to become discontent. I can't imagine he'd be liking a mood swing. I bet you that'd be pretty awful. Because of the way his thoughts have been running. It'd be absolutely terrible. And we're going to see, when the Holy Spirit's withdrawn from the earth, that's why it's going to be a time of trouble there's never been. We've not seen anything yet. And yet we've seen a lot. In the book Maranatha, page 222, if the thoughts are wrong, the feelings will be wrong. And the thoughts and feelings combined make up the moral character. You know, I wondered, I put these new texts, because I, I was wondering, Adam, when he first woke up, when Adam is created from the dust of the ground, and he opens his eyes, and the first thing he sees is what? The face of Jesus, right? Because Jesus just breathed into him the what? The breath of life. Wow, imagine that scene. So is Adam a thinking being that feels or emotional being that thinks? Ah, he's both. It's a trick question. So anyway. <laughs> you know, you imagine that before he really has a thought, he sees the face of Jesus, which would have brought a lot of thoughts. But you know, God created us with emotions. That's kind of my point. We're not just a thinking being that feels. We are emotional beings that think. And so when you give thanks, when you give praise, remember, everybody's an emotional being that thinks. And when you help people to feel better, when you encourage people, they're emotional. It means something. And it helps them think better. But we're also thinking beings that feel. And so words matter. Right? Attitudes matter because people are watching. And people can hear. It all makes a difference, doesn't it? If the thoughts are pure and holy. Oh, I want to stop right here before I read this. What I have just shared with you right now. Before I look at this one, what I just said could have been said anywhere by even a motivational speaker, right? What did I say particularly that's all that spiritual, right? That you would only hear in a church. 
You see, this is what people say to corporations that want to see production go up. Be more thankful. Give more recognition. Right? People feel better about being at work. They start producing better. Everything I said is just simply scientific, used by people out in the secular field. So where is the difference? What's the difference? If the thoughts are pure and holy, the man is better for having cherished them. By them, these pure thoughts, notice what this says. The spiritual pulse is quickened, and the power for doing good is what? It's increased. You see, everybody can do good. Everybody can say thank you. People would even say thank you for the wrong motivation. Is that right? They may do you good for the wrong reasons. But if there's this spiritual pulse, if we're talking about and bringing in now a spiritual dimension, when you do good and it brings about this spiritual impulse, you're able to do what? More good. More good. Not just in numbers, more good. Even the willingness to lay down your life, more good. See what I'm saying? And as one drop of rain prepares a way for another in moistening the earth, so one good thought prepares a way for another. Thoughts, feelings, spiritual impulse. Let's think about that. Jesus said this in John 14, verse 16 and 17. I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. You see, there's a difference between a motivational message that I gave in the first ten minutes that anybody could give. But when you bring in the spiritual dimension, and Jesus is not saying people out in the world can't have the Holy Spirit because every one of us was where? Out in the world. Anybody who wants that new life can have it. No matter what they've done, no matter how many times they've done it. But here's the difference. A motivational speaker can talk about the importance of being thankful without that spiritual impulse. And you'll be able to do some good. You'll live a better life. But it's not an eternal life. Because when you combine being born again and being a Christian born of the Spirit and do good, that's a different level of doing good. And that's what we want to talk about here. Notice this statement. The church became a what? A vitalizing power. A new song was put into their mouth, even praise to our God, which you did this morning. Everyone converted, has the spirit, right? Saw in his brethren and sisters the face of, of angels, the faces of angels. Wow, that is a different way of looking at people. One interest prevailed. One subject of emulation swallowed up all others to be like Christ, to do the works of Christ. The earnest zeal felt 
was expressed in kindly helpfulness and kindly looks and brotherly love. All strove to see who could do them the most, not in a competitive way, but the most for the enlargement of Christ's kingdom. Doing good, doing good, doing good, because you're what? Because you're born of the Spirit. That's a different motivation. That's a different motivation. It's a different power. Love is, is power. Intellectual, moral strength are involved in this principle and cannot be separated from it. The excellence of pure love consists in its efficiency to do good and to do nothing else. See, I can say, be thankful. A motivational speaker would say, be thankful, do some good things. But without the Spirit, you won't do good all the time. Because without the Holy Spirit, you can't do good all the time. No matter how many motivational speakers you listen to. At some point, you're going to be nice to someone, you're going to come home and kick the dog. You're going to be nice to people at church and then have road rage on the way home. We're talking about being good to everybody all the time. And that can only be done through the Spirit. That spiritual impulse. To love as Christ loved means to manifest, manifest unselfishness at all times and in all places by, by kind words and pleasant looks. How's that possible? Through Christ. Through the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the only way possible. And I can say, be thankful. But if I want to tell you to always be thankful, always be kind, I know that you and I can never do that by ourselves. No matter how hard we try. <laughs> but you know what God's waiting for? He really isn't waiting for us to have more printing presses and radio stations. Not that we don't need them. He's waiting for a people to be so full of the Spirit that no matter the situation, no matter the day, they will always be kind. They will always be good all the time to everybody. And so you and I can say, I thank you, Father. I thank you for every day. I thank you no matter what will happen today. Because of your work through the Holy Spirit. That my life's not controlled by situations. That if I'm controlled by the Holy Spirit, it won't matter my situations. Because I could always be kind and loving. And that's all God's asking us to do when we wake up in the morning. How bad do you really want this? Today, do you want to be kind all day? Do I have to? Some people have that attitude. Can't I just be kind to these people? Do I have to be kind to this person? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem right, does it? But you know Christ isn't going to come back until he has the people who perfectly reflect because it's part of the great controversy. It was one, it was one thing for Jesus to fully express and manifest the Father. 
But for some reason, this great controversy between Christ and Satan, he needs a people to answer a question that the universe is looking at. Jesus did it, but can anybody else do it? You see. Well, 1 John 4, 16, God is what? That means that the only way to say thankful, thank you and really mean it is out of a, the spirit of love. Right, because God is love. This, this is why there's love in his law. It's why nature testifies of his love. It's why the cross demonstrates love. Everything God does is, is love. So for me to be thankful all the time, what do I need? I need love. Where do I get the love? comes from above. Because God is His love. He's love. I can be thankful some of the time. That's not true love. It's not unselfish love, you see. Notice this statement. The love which Christ, here's a key word, diffuses through the whole being. The whole being is a vitalizing power. Every vital part, the brain, the heart, the nerves, it touches with healing. We know that's scientifically true. That love actually brings healing to the whole body. By it, the highest energies of the being are roused to... And I thought, you know, I looked at it, I thought, diffuses, activity. And I looked up the word diffuses, it says, to become intermingled with a substance by movement. So, you wake up in the morning and you say, I do not want to be controlled by situations. I want to be under the power of the Holy Spirit so that no matter what happens, I will always be... Kind. And I'll always be thankful. Even for the bad things. I can be thankful. And so, Father, let the love of Jesus diffuse in me. Because you know what diffusion is. It's when you take a substance and you diffuse it and you intermingle it into something else. And it causes movement. Which means that if you and I wake up in the morning and we say, Father, disfuse, share your love. May your love be in me. It's going to drive me to activity, loving others. It has to happen. It can't be contained. Right? It's just like a chemical reaction. That if we truly receive the Spirit of God, we will want to say, thank you. And we'll want to do good. And we'll want to be kind because we won't be able to contain it. Because God is this. And if His Spirit be in you, you'll have to do what He does. And this is what the churches are missing. The idea within Christianity is accept Jesus and just be the best person you can be. But friends, that's absolutely powerless. Because without Christ, I can. I can absolutely do nothing. I need a disfusion. Or I won't be kind all the time. Yes. I'll only love those who love me. And, and Paul says, well, what, how's that any better than the, the Pharisees or anybody else in the world? Yes. Don't they do the same? The unconsecrated heart, here's, here's our problem. The unconsecrated heart cannot originate or produce it, meaning love. We can't produce it. Only in the heart where Jesus reigns is it found. 
And this is just a principle. We love him because he first loved us. That's just a fact. If God didn't love the human family, there's not a person on this planet that would seek after God. Not Abraham, not Moses, nobody. There's none that are righteous. Fourth T, 224. If the soul is not baptized with the heavenly grace of love, love to God and one another, we are deficient in true godliness. You see, what we need is not just a baptism 20 years ago in water. Paul or John said, I baptize you with what? Water. But one's coming who's going to baptize you in the Spirit. Being baptized in the Spirit every day is how we begin the day and start doing good all the... It's the only way it can happen, friends. It's the only way it can happen. But some believe, once saved, always saved. I received the Holy Spirit 20 years ago and... uh, I'm sorry, friends. This is a daily matter. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit every day for that day because you're not promised more than a day. And if you don't worry about tomorrow and steal from today, just be baptized in the Spirit today to just do good today. And if your life ends today, you just spend all day doing what? Doing good. Isn't that how He wants us to live our life? Christ's love is deep and earnest, flowing like an irrepressible stream to all who will accept it. If this, and this is where it comes from, heaven-born love is an abiding principle in the heart, it will make itself known. Yes. Isn't that right? Amen. Not only to those who hold we hold most dear, but to how many? To all, to all with whom we come in contact. Amen. It will lead us to bestow little acts of attention, to perform deeds of kindness, to speak tender, true, encouraging words. And now it makes sense when Jesus says, you even need to love your enemies. How's that possible? Through the Spirit. Being baptized in the Spirit. Is there a good possibility Monday morning you may walk in and meet someone who might rub you the wrong way? What do we need? A baptism of the Spirit. When? First thing you do in the morning. First thing you do. Because when you see the face of God first, you're going to be a lot better off seeing the face of man afterwards. But if you don't begin with God, I can tell you right now, the devil's got your day. Because without God, we will not be successful that day. Okay? Our affections for one another springs from our common relationship to God. We love one another as he loved us. That's, and this is in 1 John 1, 3. Um, so, the way you and I can draw close together and have what we would call church life is if the Jesus in me, Stanley, meets the Jesus in you. That's how we have fellowship. And the more Jesus is in you and the more Jesus is in me, the closer we can be in fellowship. Amen. Right? Amen. The more love we'd have for one another. Amen. But if neither one of us had Jesus in us, we're just kind of playing church. Amen. Is this right? Amen. So in 1 John 1, 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you 
that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So John's making this point. We can have fellowship with one another because we have fellowship with the Father and the Son. Now, what does that word fellowship mean? Fellowship with God. The Greek word for fellowship is the word koinonia. Koinonia. And koinonia means something that two people share in common. When two people have something they share in common, they have fellowship. So how can I have fellowship with Jesus? By him and I sharing something in common. Can I share something in common with Jesus? So let's just say someone did something wrong to me. And you know, I've told this story about the guy who came in and stole $300, right? And I did get my money back because I didn't, I never told that the rest of the story. But anyway. So he comes in, he steals the $300. I wasn't there at the time, but when I got home, my neighbor said, hey, someone came in your house and didn't walk out with your furniture, but he just walked out a few minutes later. And I checked to see if my $300 was there, and sure enough, it was gone. So I knew the guy took my $300. And you know, Stanley, I loved that guy so much. No, I didn't, right? I had these ugly feelings, right? I said, how dare this guy walk in my house and steal $300? But you know what I realized? My feelings were wrong. It doesn't really matter what he did. What would Christ want me to do all the time? All the time, right? Everywhere. So I had to pray. I said, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for my ill feelings, because you know where those came from? It came from me. But I know, Father, I need to love this person. And I'm sorry, Father, I don't love this man. But I know that you love him. And you loved me even when I was doing wrong. And you love this man, you don't love what he did. But you sent your son to die for him as much as you sent your son to die for me. So, Father, let your love, would you share your love with me for this man? And when I now felt I have, I was in fellowship with Christ. And that's the only way I could go to this guy's door. I could not safely go to this guy's door unless I knew I was in fellowship with Jesus. Where I now love the man, I didn't love what he did. But I could love the man no matter what he did because Jesus shared his love with me for this man. A love that I could not create, but a love I could receive. So then I went to his house and knocked on the door, and he opened the door. And the first thing I said, Gregory, is, I know you took my $300. (laughs) Probably not the best way to start, but I didn't say it in a bad way. But I said, I forgive you. And that you're worth a lot more than $300. Do you know what we did after that? We had Bible studies. And the man wound up accepting Christ. But you see, he took something, but I needed something. I didn't need my money back. What I needed was Christ's love. Because it's the only way I could have ever been kind to him. 
you see? And that's how that works. And this is what the word koinonia means. Notice how this word's translated in 2 Peter 1.4. The, the word partakers in red is the, actually the word koinonia in the Greek. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be what? Partakers. You're a partaker. You're in fellowship with Christ when you're a partaker of his, his divine nature. That's how we become fellowship with Christ. We become partakers of his altogether sinless and beautiful life. And the more I have of Jesus in me, the more I'm a partaker of his life, the more I'm in fellowship with Christ. And the more I'm in fellowship with Christ, the more I'm going to do the things which Christ did. But if I only believe in Jesus, but I haven't asked him to share his life with me, then I'm just a person that believes in Christianity but I have no power because the power is in the life. It's not simply in 28 fundamental beliefs. As beautiful as it is and it protects us with air, the power is in the life itself. In that life, we receive through the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the difference between a motivational speech about being kind and coming to a church and say, but the only way you could be kind all the time in all places is through Christ himself, through the work of the Holy Spirit. So the Christian faith is not simply believing in Jesus, but sharing a life with Jesus. And as you put on Christ, your fellowship with Jesus will deepen. You will progressively love as he loved And you know, friends, this is the sweetest, purest, best way to say thank you. And so we can say, Father, I thank you. I thank you for your love. Because if it wasn't for your love, I wouldn't even have breath in my lungs. And I thank you, Father, that I can see because some can't. And I can hear because some can't. And I thank you. I can't take it for granted. And for this day, and anything that can happen in this day, I thank you. And help me, Father, to always be good all the time by asking you every morning is my first word. Father, thank you for life, and will you share with me your life? And today, Father, as I mingle with people, show me where I still am unlike Jesus. And you know what he'll do? Hey, he's going to bring someone in my life. Or some situation, I say, oh, Jesus wouldn't think that way. But you know that's good. Because now that I know, I can do what with it? I can give it up and put on Christ. And he asks us every time. We're challenged every day, friends, to develop character. Every situation is an opportunity to grow. To become more loving or more forgiving or more understanding. God doesn't do it so we'll sin. He doesn't permit these. He permits them so we'll grow. So we'll put on Christ. And if you gain the victory in every one of these situations every day throughout the year, imagine where we'd be a year from now. Do you know we could become that people he's waited for for 2,000 years? 
And he says, finally, here are they. They keep the commandments of God in the faith of Jesus. And that's the kind of joy. That's the best way of saying thanks to God. Is to strive to be that kind of person in Christ Jesus. Before we have our closing prayer, we have a closing hymn. Number 564 for Sunrise Hope and Sunset Calm. If we could all stand, it's number 564. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for this gift of life and that we are able to live in such a time as this when Jesus will soon return. We thank you, Father, for that most precious gift in Christ Jesus to give us your only begotten Son that we may not only have life but the promise of eternal life. We thank you, Father, for those billions of angels that go to and fro from heaven to earth just to help suffering humanity. And we thank you, Father, for the church and that you've brought us here together to be a family to do a great work in this Cleveland area. And, Father, we thank you for every moment of every day, the trials and the blessings that will come, that will help each one of us to grow, to become more like Jesus. So, Father, thank you for the gift of the Spirit that allows each one of us to put on Christ and to have a passion for ministry, a, a willingness and an eagerness to share your love with others. So, Father, in closing, help each one of us to find a time and a place every day to commune with you, to receive Christ, as our life. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.